Hello, friends, and welcome to this inaugural episode of the End Sunday Show. Thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. My name is Mike Adams, and I'm host of the End Sunday Show. In this first episode, I just want to introduce myself to you a little bit. I want to introduce the show to you, the concept of the show, what I what I hope to accomplish in this show, and what I hope that it uh, produces for us. And I hope that what, what it produces will be an encouragement to you. I decided to go back to calling this the Unsunday Show. I had a, a podcast a couple of years ago called the Unsunday Podcast, where I talked about a lot of the same things that I'm going to be talking about with you in this in this podcast, but I was in a little bit different place then. I was working full-time, and uh, things were pretty busy, and so I ended up shutting that down just because I couldn't keep up with the pace anymore, but now I'm retired, and being retired, I've got all this time, so I thought I would fire this thing back up again and, and see where it goes. Again, this is episode one, and I'm not sure if it's going to fly or not, but I'm going to take a chance on it and see what happens. Like I said, my name is Mike Adams, and I'm host of the Unsunday show. I call it Unsunday because what I want to do is spend some time looking at the church. I want to spend some time looking at institutional Christianity and what it's become in our culture. I'm a former pastor. I have 20-plus years of pastoring in different church settings in the institutional church, and I have left that setting. I've left that institutional church. My wife and I have pulled out of that, and we've found more authentic community outside of those four walls. And looking back at that, you know, it's like it's it's like hindsight. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. And when I was in that, I didn't see some of the things that I see now when I was in that system. And I was a professional upfront pastor, and I was, you know, kind of the leader and or one of leaders, I was. It was always a team of pastors where I was at, but I was one of those upfront leaders where there was top-down authority. There was a hierarchy of authority within the institutional setting, and I functioned in that setting for quite some time. And I, I began to question things. I began to slowly question stuff that I would see happening around me, things that I would see happening behind closed doors, things that I would see happening uh, in open doors, things that I would see happening in public up front, and. I started to question some of that, and so I began to uh, really look into the history of it, the history of how we got there, and I found a couple of really good church history books that I've enjoyed reading, and I started to discover that we got there on purpose. This whole institutional uh, hierarchy, top-down authority structure is there on purpose. We did this on purpose. Looking back at church history, it was very intentional how we got here. And so I began to really question that, and after we left the institution, I began to document some of that stuff, and in my old Unsunday podcast, I talked about a lot of it. And again, I hope to talk about a lot of the same things here. So that's a brief introduction to myself and where I've come from, some of my background there. Again, seeing the institutional setting from the inside out was really an eye-opener. So depending on where this podcast goes, I hope that it can be a resource for you. I hope that it can answer some of the questions that you may have. I hope that you'll share it with others as you listen to it. But I wanted to start this first episode, this inaugural episode, with talking about a little bit of how we got here. How did the church get here? Is the church supposed to be this hierarchical of authority where where authority flows down and, and money flows up. Is is the pastor 
is the pastor really central to this whole thing? You know, we've taken this this idea of the pastor, which appears one time in the, in the New Testament. We'll be talking a lot about that, but it appears one time in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 4, and we've institutionalized the pastor. We've made the pastor the focal point. We've made the pulpit the focal point. We've made Sunday the focal point. And we tell people that if you're not there on Sunday supporting the pastor while he's in the pulpit and supporting the whole institutional uh, machine and keeping it viable, that you're somehow letting God down, that you're somehow in sin, or that you're somehow a disappointment to him. But the truth is, friends, God doesn't require you to go to anything on a Sunday. He doesn't require you to go to anything on any day. You know, there's so much of the old covenant that we've brought into the new covenant. There's so much of the imagery of the old covenant that we've brought into the new. And those in charge, especially, of which I was one, so I'm always pointing a finger at myself when I say that, but those in charge are taking those rules and regulations, those types and shadows that were in the old covenant that don't belong in the new, and we're bringing them across and making them apply to believers in the new. And so we've convinced ourselves, and we don't even question it, that church is a building, that church is a location, that church is a time, that I'm, I'm supposed to be there on Sunday or Wednesday or Thursday or you know whatever the days are, or maybe I'm supposed to be there on all of those days. But God doesn't require that of you. That isn't a new covenant concept. So let's flesh that out a little bit in this in this podcast. Let's flesh that out some as we move from episode to episode and, and look at this stuff and look at how the hierarchical system of the professional clergy got into place. You know, is there even such a thing as a clergy and laity? Does scripture even speak in those terms or is that divisive? Is that something that divides the body of Christ into us and them? And is that something that gets in the way of the one another's and the priesthood of all believers that the New Testament talks about? These are important questions to answer. And these are questions that I want us to examine. I want us to be honest and open and upfront about that, about them in this unsunday show. And let me set your mind at ease. I don't have an axe to grind. I don't, I don't hold a grudge against those in an institutional setting. Some people thrive in that. And I get that. Christ's church is big. His ecclesia, which is the Greek word that, that we translate church most, most often, his ecclesia, his assembly, Christ's congregation is huge and it's big and it has many valid expressions. But what I've discovered is that that institutional expression, that institutional setting of Christ's ecclesia isn't the only valid expression. In fact, I don't think it's valid at all. But that doesn't mean I'm out to destroy it or that I'm out to trash those that are in it. I want to encourage you. I want to, in this podcast, I want to ask you to reconsider what the New Testament says. Because so much of what we do today in our institutional settings within institutional Christianity and within institutional churches doesn't appear anywhere in the New Testament. And yet here we are doing these things from week to week and burdening ourselves with these things from week to week and, you know, making Sunday the focal point of the week, you know, where everything points to Sunday. And then when you get inside the facility, whatever the facility looks like, everything points to the pulpit. And then you've got the pinnacle of the week when the pastor uh, kind of mounts the pulpit and starts to tell you what you need to be doing or tell you what his interpretation of a particular passage is, and then using his his or her influence to persuade you to believe that way. Well, again, that has no New Testament warrant. 
That appears nowhere in the New Testament, and it's exhausting. Week after week after week. You know, I think of that episode in the in the Christmas movie Elf, where Christmas is over, Christmas is done, Santa's back, and they're on they're in the North Pole, and everybody's happy and partying. And then somebody makes the statement, well, on to next year. And that's kind of the institutional church. You know, you finish up on a Sunday and immediately you start planning for the next Sunday. Because everything's so Sunday-oriented. Everything's so pulpit-oriented. Everything's so pastor-oriented. But that's not in the New Testament. And so we have a lot to talk about in this podcast. You know, I can tell you this, that looking at church history and looking at how this started and how we got to the point that we're at within institutional Christianity and within the institutional church setting, I can tell you with confidence that we got there on purpose, that how we got here was intentional, that it didn't start this way. It didn't start like this, where we have a professional clergy, where we have a non-professional laity, where we have you know, those up front doing stuff for us and the rest of us are just kind of passive. That is counter to everything in the New Testament, where where the New Testament talks about the priesthood of all believers and the doing of the one another's. Paul said, when you come together, he told the Corinthians, each one of you has a psalm, a song, you know, a teaching, whatever you're bringing. And there was this full participation. But we've institutionalized that. We've institutionalized that into a priesthood of a few instead of the priesthood of all believers. And most of us don't get to function in that. But we got there intentionally. You know, about 110 AD, there was a uh, pastor named Ignatius. And this this was Ignatius of Antioch. There's a couple more Ignatiuses in church history. We don't want to confuse them. So we're talking about Ignatius of Antioch. And he died about 110 AD. He was martyred. And as he was on his way, he was being taken to Rome to be executed for being a Christian. And on his way, he wrote seven letters to seven different churches. Sound familiar? And in his letter to Smyrna, he wrote this. I'm quoting here. Follow your bishop as Jesus Christ followed the Father, and follow your presbyters as the apostles, and respect your deacons as you would respect God's commandment. Let no one do anything in the church apart from the bishop. Holy communion is valid when separated by the bishop or someone the bishop authorizes. Where the bishop is present... There let the congregation gather, just as where Jesus Christ is, there is the church. End of quote. That's an amazing statement that Ignatius made, and he made that, you know, it didn't take us long to get off track. You think about the Apostle John. The Apostle John was probably the last living apostle, and he died, you know, somewhere around 95 or 100 AD. Well, this this quote from Ignatius was in 110 AD. So you're talking 10 to 15 years after the death of the last apostle. We're already getting off track. We're already starting to move in this direction of putting this professional hierarchy uh, within the assembly, within the ecclesia, to the point where Ignatius was able to freely say, where the bishop is present, there let the congregation gather and don't do anything apart from the bishop or someone he appoints. And so Ignatius was saying the bishop, pastor, I should say this at this point, and we'll flesh this out in, in a future episode, that in the New Testament, bishop, pastor, overseer refer to the same people. And as we talk about what a pastor is in a future episode, we'll, we'll flesh that out a little bit more. But for now, I just want to throw that out to you. So when Ignatius is saying bishop, think pastor. If you're like going, whoa, what's a bishop? Think pastor. And so Ignatius is saying that don't let Anything happen within the assembly unless the pastor is present. 
unless the pastor is there. And so he was already starting to put the pastor up on this pedestal and make the pastor the focal point of the church. But that's nowhere in the New Testament. In fact, quite the opposite is in the New Testament. Jesus told uh, the apostles, it's not to be that way among you. You're, you're not to be in this hierarchical authority, top-down authority structure. He told us point blank not to do that. He told us point blank not to use honorific titles. He said the Gentiles like the Lord it over. The Gentiles use titles, but you're not to use titles because you're all brothers. There is no difference. But we use titles. And starting with Ignatius way back in 110, this is kind of the seed of where this came from, is that immediately we're using, we're using different titles and what this became by at least 250 AD. So we're talking middle of the third century. By 250 AD, Ignatius' structure that he laid out here in 110 AD was solidly in place in most ecclesias, where we had institutionalized the pastor to where he's, he's the guy in charge, and it was always a man. He's the guy in charge. He's the one ruling. And the poor people, the poor laity, couldn't do anything without the clergy. The clergy were the professional trained people who you know, who were closest to God, who spoke for God, who knew what God wanted, who were God's mouthpiece, and they were the ones in charge. And Ignatius is saying, submit to that. Don't let anything happen in the church unless the pastor's there. And if he's not there, what do you do? I, I guess you just sit on your hands, you know, kind of twiddle your fingers until, you know, he shows up. But again, that is nowhere in the New Testament. That is nowhere within the pages of our New Testament. That is strictly tradition that we've inherited as far back as Ignatius. The New Testament ecclesia knows nothing of this system. But we've taken that thing and we've institutionalized it. We've taken the word pastor, which appears one time, as I said, in Ephesians chapter 4, and we've institutionalized the pastor. We've made the pastor the center point. We've made pastor the pinnacle of the week. We've made pastor the pinnacle of the assembly. We've made the pastor the pinnacle of the institutional setting. I know. I was there. I functioned in that. And it it was detrimental to the priesthood of all believers because it, it, made, it made a few people, the professionals, and I'm using air quotes, it made the professional Christian authoritative over the non-professional, and I'm using quotes again, and it left one group of people, a large group of people within the church, within the assembly, uh, sitting there passive, staring at the back of someone's head that they probably don't know on a Sunday morning, and calling that worship and thinking that, yeah, this is please God somehow. But again, God doesn't require that. It's nowhere in the New Testament. So we have a lot to talk about. We have a lot to go through in this podcast. There's a lot of stuff that's happened through church history that tradition has given us that has really nullified the word of God. You think you think of Jesus' words to the Pharisees in the Gospels, and I don't remember where it is. You can go look it up. But Jesus' words to the Pharisees, you know, they had so many traditions in place. Jesus said, you've, you've nullified what God has said by your tradition. You've elevated your tradition over God's word, over what he said. And we're doing that today. We're stuck in this system. Nobody questions it because those in authority are telling us that we need to be under their authority. And so we just go along with it. But I can tell you this. Let me give you some insider information. I don't believe that there's any special calling that I have or had when I was in that pastoral role that set me apart from someone who didn't have that supposed calling. Ordination is a tradition. Ordination isn't anywhere in the New Testament. 
nowhere. It doesn't exist. But ordination has become a big deal where if you're, you know, you have to be the ordained minister in order to uh, serve the Lord's Supper, which we've also also institutionalized. The Lord's Supper isn't, you know, it isn't a cracker and a juice. It's a meal. It's a, it's a meal together to be enjoyed together. It's not, it's not a sacrament. It's a time of loving one another around food. It's a time of remembering what Jesus did around a meal. But we've institutionalized that thing too, and we've made it into something that the people in authority, again, are telling us has to be done, and it has to be done a certain way, and only those in authority can do it. The same with baptism. Many believe that it's the pastor's role, it's the pastor's job, or someone the pastor appoints to do baptisms, to do water baptisms. But again, that concept is absent in the New Testament, but we've been told that, we've been raised with that. You know, if, if, you're, if you're one who was raised in a church setting, you've heard this stuff all of your life. And it's time to, if you're questioning it and wondering the validity of it, it's time to stop and raise your hand and start asking some serious questions. And that's what I want to do in this podcast. Again, I don't have an axe to grind, but I'm going to ask honest, pointed questions. And again, when I talk about those in authority and, and those pastors, again, I'm pointing a finger at myself as well because I was one for years and years. And I didn't fully understand at the time what that was doing and what that meant. I thought this was the way it was because everybody around me was doing it and everybody around me was saying this is the way it is. And it turns out that those who were around me who were telling me that this is the way it is were those in authority who weren't about to give up that authority. But make no mistake, in an institutional church setting, in institutional Christianity, money flows up and power flows down. And there's there's a definite correlation between the two. And we use guilt and shame as tools to get people to do what we want them to do. Normally, well, I can't really say normally, but a lot of the time we will run to the to an old old covenant passage, to an old testament passage that's not even written to us, or not even written about us. And we'll bring that thing across and we'll impose it on people in order to guilt them into doing something more, something better, something further to support the institutional setting, because at the end of the day the institution has to be viable. The institution has to survive. And if the institution doesn't survive and crumbles, then we've lost our little, you know, kingdom. We've lost our little thing here and we lose power and control. And so we bring across whatever we need to bring across out of scripture that we'll take out of context and we'll, we'll try and apply it. I know my wife and I visited a church, uh, a couple of years ago now. We just went there to see what was going on. And the pastor there again was, you know, he was up front and kind of pacing back and forth on the stage and talking about his interpretation of something. And he happened to be in uh, Malachi, Malachi chapter three, I believe, or, you know, if you're feeling Italian, it's Malachi, the Italian prophet. But I digress. But he, you know, kind of paced back and forth on the stage and he was actually yelling at the people that were sitting passive in the pews and telling them he literally accused them of being thieves and of robbing God because he was taking Malachi completely out of context and applying it to his vision of what he saw for his institutional setting there. And he needed more money, and so he was guilting people into giving more and more. Well, we got tired of being called thieves, and so you know we got out of there. But that's the whole point, is that there's this power play, there's this power struggle where we will take scriptures out of context that have nothing to do with us, like the tithe or like Malachi 3, and we'll start to put people on a guilt trip in order to get them to perform more, to perform uh more toward our goals within within the institutional setting. Been there, done that. 
But I guess I should wrap a ribbon around this first episode of the Unsunday show. Again, this is brand new. Just launching this. Uh, actually, I haven't even launched it. I'm going to be recording some of these episodes and then seeing when a good launch time would be. And, and then we'll just kind of see what happens from there. But I want to say thanks for joining me in this inaugural episode of the Unsunday show. And I'm glad you did. And until next time, bye. Thank you.